Hello, my rebels. You know, we use military language in politics sometimes, like uh, battleground states, and he's on target. But what happens if the left actually means their war language, actually gets violent, which I, I think they're starting to do. I'll talk a bit about that from transgenderism to environmentalism. That's today's show. But first, I want to invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. We put a lot of effort into the video stuff because that's that tells a lot of the story. I want you to see it. Go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. Eight bucks a month, a bargain, if I may say so. And you know that eight bucks a month, it really adds up for us. If we have enough people paying eight bucks a month, we can float our whole boat. We can pay all our staff because we don't get any money from YouTube. We're demonetized and we'll never take money from Trudeau. So it's really you. Please help us out at rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, environmentalists have declared war against fossil fuels, but what if they mean war literally? It's April 10th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you sensorious bug. The vocabulary of political campaigns includes many military metaphors and words Even the word campaign itself is military. Its etymology is Old French that meant the operation of the military in a field. That's what champagne meant. Words like battleground, fight, target, etc. And I don't mind. Politics really is war by peaceful means, so it's, it's much better, better way of resolving problems. Winston Churchill, who fought in five wars, said it's better to jaw jaw than to war war. Probably sounded better in his accent. By which he meant it was better to argue and negotiate and talk than to shoot each other. But what happens if the other side in politics starts to take their culture war literally? If they they actually start killing people? I think that's clearly happening. It's starting to happen and it's revving up. Look at these images. Trans activists with shirts that say, trans rights or else with images of guns on them. I've seen the same shirt with images of knives on them. I think most people who wear those shirts are probably just being a bit butch, a bit tough for Instagram clout, but how many people actually believe it or mean it or act on it? One, one in a thousand maybe? Well, still, that's a lot, isn't it? And add in some extreme hormone therapy that sometimes accompanies these transitions add in some political rage and political whipping up, and you've got some real violence on your hands. We uh, spoke with Billboard Chris the other day, who is routinely assaulted just for standing quietly and talking about transgender issues. He's assaulted all the time, almost every time. And if the cops care at all, they care to laugh. But the thing is, right, um, when we get into people's faces Mm -hmm. and they get into our faces, it doesn't really matter who does the first push it's considered a consensual fight and maybe that's something you should I didn't no no you that's I didn't get into people's faces I was here for you you weren't very close to people you weren't here you weren't even here I was I came and walked I came out I came over to your car yes that first time but the second time the second time what 
where you were pushed on the ground. Are you kidding me? I'd walked, we'd, I'd been walking away from them. You're trying to, now you're trying to insinuate that that was a mutual thing. Like, my gosh, mutual thing. I'd walked away from the crowd three times. They kept following me. Then they surrounded me from all sides, okay. started yelling in my ear from inches away while you all did nothing. And then when I can't even get out of that surrounding and I get punched in the face, I get pulled. You're telling me that's a mutual engagement? Yes, it is. Yeah, she's so gross. I hope you sign our petition at fireofficerbachman.com. Uh, did you see this? Trans extremists attacking a female swimmer who dared to give a talk about women's rights in sports. Did you see this? Trans rights are human rights! Trans rights are human rights! This way. That's in San Francisco. That used to be a very feminist city, not anymore. Here's a woman nicknamed Posey Parker, a feminist from the UK, who was assaulted in New Zealand. Again, the cops don't care. And then, of course, there was the mass murder by a transgender extremist of six people at a Christian school, and police refused to release her transgender manifesto. I wonder why. Hmm. They use words like fight and attack, literally, don't they? While the rest of us are peaceful, but as Mao said, power comes from the barrel of a gun. Stalin was told about the Pope's view on things, and he asked, well, how many divisions does the Pope have? The left knows about real power. If they can't win the political game, 
where we use warlike words as metaphors, they move to real war, politics by other means. The left no longer feels bound by the moral code of society, by the social contract. When they lose an election, they claim it was stolen. Al Gore in 2000, Hillary Clinton in 2016. When they win, as in 2020, they call anyone else who challenges the elections election deniers. They don't have any principles. They only use principles as a rhetorical argument against those who do still have principles. Violence is here in Canada, too. I see news about violence in the environmental movement. Look at these stories. Surprisingly, this one is from the CBC. Take a look. When anarchists attack. How police say a peaceful indigenous-led protest over a BC pipeline was hijacked by violent outsiders. Let me read a chunk of it to you. I'm, I'm surprised that Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster published this at all. There are some flaws with it, but it's interesting. Let me read a bit. A security guard was swarmed in a truck near a work site by a group of people in masks and camouflage firing flare guns. He was then forced to flee into the dead of night while the assailants escaped. When the RCMP released those details last week about a recent incident along the Coastal GasLink pipeline project near Houston, B.C., they could have copied and pasted them from a news release they issued more than a year ago. But that's where the comparison ends, because while the incident on March 26 resulted in the alleged theft of a chainsaw and some unrelated arrests, what happened at the worksite on February 17, 2022, was far more dangerous and destructive during that attack, assailants swung axes into the side of security trucks. A police officer was injured in a booby trap, and tens of millions of dollars in damage was done. But more than a year later, not a single suspect has been taken into custody. Wow. Not a word from Justin Trudeau or Marco Mendicino or Christia Freeland on any of this. They put the country under martial law. They seized bank accounts. They deployed ride horses because of some horn-honking truckers who had parked illegally. But not a peep about this from them. Have you heard anything about this from them? I wonder if it's because a Greenpeace criminal named Stephen Gilbo is in the same federal cabinet. He committed a crime at the CN Tower. We know that. And much more scary, he committed a home invasion crime terrifying the wife of then-Alberta Premier Ralph Klein. His wife was home by herself and imagined these people storming the house, climbing on the roof. I wonder if Stephen Gilbo was in the law, in the cabinet lobbying behind the scenes to protect these eco-terrorists. They're his friends, I'm sure. But here's where the CBC reverts to its form and lies. Or maybe it's Trudeau's RCMP that's lying, or maybe both. Let me quote. According to the Mountie in charge of the investigation, a local group of peaceful protesters with environmental and indigenous land rights concerns, was infiltrated by outsiders with a different agenda. Quote, we saw a number of people come into the protest camps that had been involved in previous protests elsewhere in the country, elsewhere in North America, that had a propensity to cause violence, Chief Superintendent John Brewer told the CBC News. Okay, so far so good. Brewer described the outsiders as anarchists. Okay. A small group of people who aren't necessarily tied to each other, but subscribe to an ideology aimed at causing chaos. Okay, but here's where it gets word, weird. In Brewer's words, targeting government, government facilities, government agencies, infrastructure. Hang on, what? What, what government facilities, agencies, infrastructure? It's a natural gas pipeline. Trucks and security guards, they, they work for a private company. What is this weird Trudeau cop talking about? 
He's hiding their agenda. Really, their agenda is anti-fossil fuel. Why, that just happens to be Trudeau's agenda now, doesn't it? It is a fundamental responsibility of any Canadian prime minister, and it's a historical responsibility, um, to get our resources to market. Uh, we are a country of resources, uh, and we need to get those to market. But in the 21st century, getting our resources to market uh, needs to be done not just by sort of by diktat, um, but by doing it responsibly, sustainably, uh, and including people in the process, both on consultations, including science, including uh, indigenous communities uh, in the way we move forward. I've said time and time again, and you're all tired of hearing me say it, uh, you can't make a choice between what's good for the environment and what's good for the economy. Uh, we can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. Uh, we need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. Uh, that is going to take time. And in the meantime, we have to manage that transition. So we have a violent group of environmental activists that is engaging in eco-terrorism and not a peep from Trudeau. Then again, he didn't speak out against the burning and the vandalism, the violent attacks on Canadian churches either, did he? Even though about 50 of them were hit. It's a strange news story in the CBC. Look at this part. CBC News pulled the court documents to detail every arrest related to the pipeline injunction since 2018 and then cross-referenced those names with other sources. We found roughly 70% of the people taken into custody were not from the area. Some were from other parts of BC. Some from other provinces and two were from the U.S. By the way, this is literally what Trudeau accused the trucker convoy of being. Outside influences even foreign influences, and of course, who is paying for all this? Look, in northern BC, these aren't just ordinary hippies. They sound like genuine eco-terrorists. Let me read some more. When RCMP arrived at the crime scene, some attackers were still there, and police gave chase on foot. But when an officer was injured after stepping on a board with nails driven through it, what Brewer calls a man trap, the pursuit was called off over safety concerns. The attackers then used snowmobiles, and the path that had been cleared for the pipeline, which runs parallel to the access road, to make their getaway. While officers were still at the site assessing the threat and securing the scene, the attackers had ditched their snowmobiles at a nearby protest camp to meet up with waiting vehicles. They then drove down the access road until they reached the Yellowhead Highway and disappeared into the night. According to Brewer, investigators believed the attack and the escape had been rehearsed. Brewer called the latter one of the most complex situations he's ever dealt with. It was planned, it was practiced, and carried out in a very methodical manner, he said. It was all against oil and gas companies. Actually, not oil, just, just gas. Natural gas, that's the clean, burning, cheap, plentiful source of energy. I wonder who is paying for and organizing and training these terrorists. Is it, is it OPEC? Is it Russia? Uh, they're the people who would benefit from stopping Canadian natural gas. I mean, they're the people who make natural gas now, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Um, they don't want Canadian energy in the world market. No curiosity about that in this CBC story. They call them anarchists. Really? Anarchists who seem pretty organized, who just happen to have the resources and skills to mount a years-long eco-terrorist attack on a Canadian private sector energy project. But really, how different are they than Trudeau or Guilbeault? Or from this guy, who's running for the NDP in the province of Alberta. Here's a story. 
Hydrocarbon must go away, said star NDP candidate, but is that the right plan for Alberta? It's a story in uh, Post Media referring to this guy, Samir Kayande, the star candidate for the NDP in the Calgary Elbow District. That used to be where Ralph Klein ran. Here's what Kayande wrote in the CBC a couple of years ago. What do you do when a dominant export business goes away? I speak, of course, of hydrocarbons and Alberta. Some of you will reject my question. You don't think hydrocarbon is going anywhere, but you are wrong. Hydrocarbon must go away. There's no alternative. It's too polluting. And the longer we wait, the worse the reckoning. It's only a matter of time. Feel free to jump down to the comments to argue this point because you will get nothing out of the next few paragraphs if you disagree. Even in its currently reduced state, oil and gas contributes massively to Canada's economy. Alberta still has the highest wages in Canada, driving in migration and supporting communities across the country. These good jobs come from the geology that put oil and gas here and in a few other places. Now that those good jobs can't be counted on, this is the right time to think about the future, and I don't just mean diversification, which implies spreading our economy across multiple sectors. Instead, I am talking about the replacement of a dominating export-oriented industry with something else. I'm sorry he's insane. That's insane. That's stupid, first of all. Imagine with oil near $100 a barrel with Saudi Arabia and Russia and OPEC agreeing to reduce production to jack prices up even more. Germany, by the way, came betting, begging to Trudeau for our natural gas. So did Japan's leader. Trudeau condescendingly said no to them, offering them hydrogen or whatever moon dust he's selling this time. Here, take a look at this. Um, obviously, we talked a lot about how Canada can be a reliable supplier, not just of energy, but of critical minerals, of uh, commodities and resources, including agricultural resources, uh, that the world is going to need as we move towards a net zero uh, economy around the world. Um, we're very excited about the LNG Canada project, which uh, was the largest private investment in Canada, a project led by Shell on the West Coast, uh, in which uh, a Japanese company, Mitsubishi, is a significant uh, partner. Because we know that being a reliable supplier of energy is important. And we're going to continue to look for ways to be that reliable supplier of energy. But even as we do talk about things like LNG and other traditional sources of energy, we know the world is moving aggressively and uh, meaningfully towards decarbonizing towards diversifying, towards more renewables. And that's where uh, the agreements that we've uh, already seen to develop between Japanese and Canadian companies on hydrogen, on ammonia, on uh, various new technologies are really exciting. Hey, um, no problem if Justin Trudeau doesn't want to sell Canadian energy. There's plenty of OPEC dictatorships that are. Look at this. Germany inked a huge deal with Qatar the Al, Al Jazeera sponsoring, Al Qaeda sponsoring terrorist country. Instead, Japan inked a huge deal with Oman and the United States, which fracks a lot of natural gas. Trudeau absolutely agrees with this NDP candidate, with the eco-terrorist, no more oil or gas, except for the oil and gas that he personally uses, of course, especially in his private jet. But they're all in on it, really. I mean, look at this story uh, about the J.P. Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon. J.P. Morgan CEO suggests government seize private property to quicken climate initiatives. 
seize private property. Well, those eco-terrorists would support that now, wouldn't they? That's Jamie Dimon. He's the boss of J.P. Morgan. He has a lot of private property himself, but he's talking about stealing yours. J.P. Morgan, a few years ago, uh, take a look at this story. J.P. Morgan chased to spend millions on new jets and luxury airport hangar. In Battle Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, the recipient of $25 billion in TARP funds, that's Troubled Assets uh, Recovery Program, is going ahead with a $138 million plan to buy two new luxury corporate jets and build the premier corporate aircraft hangar on the eastern seaboard to house them. NBC News has learned the financial giant's upgrade includes nearly $120 million for two Gulfstream 650 planes and $18 million for a lavish renovation of a hangar at the Westchester Airport outside New York City. Literally as he was taking a bank bailout from taxpayers, at that same moment, he was buying two more jets. Jets, plural. Those are in addition to the jets he already has. But you need to have your property expropriated for his solar panel scheme or whatever he's cooking up now. But really, how much different is it to seize your property um, as opposed to the eco-terrorists just blowing up your property? <laughs> Maybe Justin Trudeau will tell us. Stay with us for more. You, you sit in French. Uh, Canada continues to be an opening, um, open and welcoming country, but that we're favoring or we favor people and privilege people who come in an, in a regular way. Uh, what do you mean by 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 this by favor? Oh. One of the great strengths that Canada has is that we can continue to be a place that is positive about immigration. People around this country understand uh, that welcoming people to our communities grows our economy, uh, adds depth and richness uh, to our lives, uh, and builds a stronger future for us all. But a big part of that is predicated on people having confidence that we have a strong immigration system that it's rigorously applied, uh, that it actually is fair and responsible. And that's why we're continuing to move forward. We will continue to do more and more to welcome in people from around the world. But we're gonna make sure that it's done in the right ways, appropriately, so people aren't putting themselves at risk uh, by trying to cross borders illegally, uh, where they're not uh, you know, giving money to criminals to help them come to a different country, but we're taking in people in a, in a way that maximizes their chances of success. So he calls the people who smuggle bogus refugees across the Roxham Road border, he calls them criminals. Now, of course, they are human trafficking, but those criminals have been aided and abetted for six full years by Trudeau himself. He's the one who invited the world. He's the one who instructed RCMP not to turn anyone back to, in fact, help them bring their luggage across the border, process them, and then set them free inside Canada. What is that other than participating, enabling, fomenting, allowing, and enriching the smugglers? And suddenly he calls them criminals. What a joke he is. We've been covering this story for six years. And Alexa Lavoie, our star reporter from Montreal, is not too far away from Roxham Road. And in fact, she has been visiting that place quite frequently, including a recent visit 
after Trudeau decided to close that border crossing. She joins me now via Skype from Montreal. Alexa, great to see you again. Great to see you too. Now, you've been down there on the Canadian side, on the American side. In fact, one of these human smugglers hit you, which was shocking and surprised us, and, and I, I felt terrible. Of course, we, we often have security accompany our reporters, but I had no idea that in a place crawling with cops, you'd be assaulted. But that's because he was on the U.S. side and he knew those RCMP on the Canadian side wouldn't do anything. I'm sorry that happened to you. Tell me about your latest trip there, though. What was it like? But by, by the way, uh, the video that we saw from uh, Justin Trudeau this morning, it really smelled um, elections coming up. Um, his uh, narrative has changed completely. And um, I think he just tried to gain more vote on this side. But my recent trip in um, in Roxham Road, so I came came back to Roxham Road in the Quebec side uh, three days, no, actually two days after they closed the Roxham Road because I wanted to be sure that that road was closed. What I actually noticed is more taxi arriving and bring some people to cross illegally still. But we know that the process behind have changed. So now what happened is like, yes, they can still cross illegally into the country, but the RCMP are driving them back to the legal port of entry that will be Saint Bernard de la Colle, where the border patrol would decide for them what will happen if they will be received for a treatment for their crime or they will be deported uh, for in in USA do we so have, when i go yeah. ahead sorry um so so far me and linka j we actually noticed that when we came back on the us side that yes indeed uh, um the us uh, immigration and border place it's full of people being deported from Canada. Okay, I think we have a clip of that. You guys just returned. I haven't seen the footage yet, but let's see if we can give a sneak preview of some of it to our viewers. What is happening? Oh, uh, were uh, people suspected of crossing the border illegally? Many, many car of border patrol from the USA in Champlain. We asked why there is so many cars there and what they say to us is now they suspect that some people we cross illegally. So it's why they are actually controlling the pyramid. I heard you tell us at our editorial meeting this morning that there, there was one person who was encouraging the border crossers, who was telling them to do it, who was giving them uh, instructions on how to do it. And you told me, if I heard you right, that she was the mayor of a town in Quebec. Is that right? So actually, the person who I saw many times, and she's been on some of the documentary about Roxham Road uh, years ago, she's, she's there almost every day bringing like clothes and gloves to uh, the migrants, some toys as well. 
t- t- telling them everything would be okay when they would cross, no worries, uh, everything would be all right, really to calm them down. And she is the mayor of Champlain. So in the U.S. side where Roxham Road is, it's a small town from the New York state. Oh, she's on the New York side. I thought Champlain, it sounded French to me. So she's (laughs) the New York mayor. Okay, I misunderstood you this morning. Thank you for clarifying. So the New York mayor of a town called Champlain, I heard Champlain, I assumed it was Francais. She is actually helping to traffic these migrants across the border. That's incredible. Uh, I was kind of surprised. And and I know that she... The, the RCMP are aware that she's the mayor too. Wow. Um, they, they did talk to me about it. And... Um, now that nobody's crossing at Roxham Road, Lincoln J and me, we saw her at the bus station where the migrant is arriving from New York and jumping on the cab for going to the legal port of entry. Wow. And, and uh, you, you've referenced Lincoln J, another Rebel News reporter. I just want to show a clip of when he and you went down to New York City, literally the Grand Central Terminal, the, the big transit hub in new york and then there's the greyhound station and you did the journey lincoln went undercover as if he was a migrant and he rode with the migrants in the bus and the cab here's just a clip of that very exciting undercover reporting and you were sort of driving alongside with the second camera here's a reminder of that great coverage take a look i'm in the back of a taxi cab waiting to go to Roxham Road. The bus driver said he's gonna try and get a few more people to make the trip cheaper. He said about 70 bucks. Wow, this is crazy. Hey, bro. Roxham Road? Yeah. Me too. I don't know what's gonna happen though. We just like... I'm, I'm, I'm scared too. I don't know what happened. Where are you from? Where are you? Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah. So I'm in Roxham Road and I'm waiting actually for Lincoln J to arrive. He just uh, arrived in Plattsburgh and he took a cab and I'm waiting for the taxi to arrive. Sorry? What do you mean? What, 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 what do you mean? You just told me. I'm not saying, I don't have cash. You never told me it was cash only. I have $40. Can you take $40? What did you say? That you're going to keep my luggage here yeah. hostage? Yeah. You never told me it was cash only. Can I pay $40 for him? Why wouldn't you? No, 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 here. Why wouldn't you why, tell me it was? Why, why wouldn't you ask that? You're running across the border. We have to go to police or look you though. Well, what do you want me to? Ma'am, Can I give you forty dollars for him? Man, listen, the police will be looking at you all day long. They don't care. They don't. Yeah, they, you, they, they'd rather you stay over here. Yeah. Well, I'll have to transfer you money then or something, man. I can't. No, I'll take her forty bucks. You need to give her forty bucks. Back.
happens if I cross here right now? Where are you from? What happens though if I cross? Where are you from? Canada. Canada? You have to report to the legal port of entry. Why can't I walk across like everybody else? Why can't I walk across? Everything else. Wallet, telephone. I came with everybody in the taxi from the Greyhound. There's people advertising that they're doing a taxi service right to this border. How, why can't I just, can I not walk across this border with everybody else? How come? Are you here to ask for refugee status? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. What happens if I walk across? What happens if I walk across? This, uh, same, same process as them? Because it's not a legal port of entry. You understand that? So I'll be put across here. You will be arrested. And then put in a hotel. How does that work? So I get a free stay. The same process so, for everybody. So I get a free stay in a hotel if I cross here. Paid by tax dollars, or I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pass today. Have a nice day. Well, that is just absolutely fascinating. I hope you'll continue to go back there, both on the Canadian side and the U.S. side. Because it is the world's longest undefended border, my worry is that these migrants will find another route. Roxham Road was just some little alley. It's not like a superhighway or anything. And there's every quarter mile, I can imagine there's another little road like that. It'll be interesting if the migrants try and, and their human traffickers try and smuggle people on those. And I'm, I look forward to visible proof that Trudeau has indeed stopped the border crossings because he loved the 100,000 illegal migrants. He, he was the one who started it. He was the one who instructed the police to allow it. So you're exactly right. This is him pivoting before an election. He's hiding his true colors. Last word to you, Alexa. But I would say that, yes, uh, indeed, uh, we, we went to uh, so many small routes, uh, like the Roxham Road they have, like, around it. And we were talking with Border Patrol from the U.S. side, and they say, yes, uh, it's happened every day that some people are crossing, not at Roxham Road, but other, like, um, small path, like, around it. But, of course, they have camera and sensor that if someone is there, they will be, like, seen by the RCMP or the U.S. Border Patrol. But, in fact, that we heard from other people that work closely with the, the migrant that some of the taxis are bringing them somewhere else where nobody uh, can see them and they cross illegally. So, in fact, now we have a bigger problem because some people are crossing illegally in our country and they disappear afterwards and we don't know where they are, who they are, and what will happen with them. Wow. Please stay on this story. It's such an exciting story, the way you're covering it and Lincoln J. I love the fact that you speak English and French and Spanish. So you've been talking to the different migrants, finding out where they're from. Folks, if you want to see Alexa's fine work on this and Lincoln J, and we've had other reporters in the past too, go to Roxham Road Exposed. Com. All right, Alexa, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me. The first one is about the secret complaints 
uh, under Bill C-36, you can complain against someone in secret and have them accused as a hate crime and never have to reveal who you are. Just in case, Rumble says, non-disclosure of the identity of the complainant simply means that there doesn't need to be an actual complainant. It's very convenient because now the government itself can initiate its own complaints at will. All the while, they can look at us and shrug their shoulders while claiming it wasn't us. So it's just a little too convenient. Oh, I mean, anyone with an axe to grind, anyone with an interest in the matter. And of course, since you get 20 grand a pop, it's a real growth industry. You're literally paying people to complain. Tyson says, to your question, why the big push for transgenderism? My best answer is population control. My next best theory is a direct China war tactic to weaken us. Yeah, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that so much of TikTok's content, and then there's over 100 million Americans who, who use TikTok. There's probably 10 million in Canada. Uh, it's no surprise that uh, TikTok in North America is extremely woke, transgenderism, all sorts of insanity. That's not what TikTok's like in China, I can assure you. Joe Boudreau says, Ezra, Manny Montenegrino said he could spend two hours with you. How about a two-part interview with him at another time? He's so perceptive about what our liberals are doing to us. Well, Joe, you know what they say about showbiz? Always leave them wanting more. I'm glad that you want more Manny as opposed to if we had too much Manny and you said I want less. I think having Manny on, I don't know, once a month or so, he's got so many things to talk about. Um, so we'll, I'll, I'll file that away in my mind and we'll make sure to have him back. But I, I think two hours would be too long. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.